is take two of the Baldy Bishops podcast episode series, whatever we're calling this. Um, so this is the opportunity to pretend like we haven't done this already once for three minutes. Was it three minutes or <laughs> yes, longer? Something like that. Yeah. So that's a bummer, but that's okay. That's all right. Yeah. We have hope in Christ. We do. <laughs> and uh, I have hope in my marriage now because Amanda's starting to like coffee a little bit. Mm-hmm. One of her students um, brought her a Starbucks Frappuccino, you know, one of the store-bought things. Mm. She drank the whole thing uh, yesterday, which is which is a major victory because historically she doesn't like coffee. Mm. And we've just been going to Starbucks and Nero's and just getting a little bit. And by the way, you can sponsor us if you'd like Starbucks and Nero's. <laughs> uh, but um, just getting a little bit of coffee at a time, like one shot in each mm-hmm. of the drinks. And uh, so this is this is a big victory for me because now I can get around the good stuff. Yeah, man. That's an answer to prayer. <laughs> Good. Um, so in light of coffee, we're looking at hope today, um, which is which is a terrible segue. It is. Um, but we did discuss how coffee is a, a berry yeah. or a, 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 a seed in a berry, a bean in a berry, mm. which is a fruit that comes from a plant. Mm. And we're looking at the idea of being fruitful. So mm. there you go. Beautiful coffee segue. yields delicious goodness. Yeah. And um, righteousness is spoken of in those terms in the scriptures too. Right? Yeah, it? and if anyone is listening from the Midlands, you have to go to Bear, Ooh, right? Bear yeah, Coffee. Bear, yeah. Get get a coffee board. Mm-hmm. Get the Adventure series, which yeah. is in Stone. A, go to Stone. Yeah, yeah. To Bear. Yeah. Very delicious. Very Fantastic. very good. Um, so yeah, <laughs> hope. We're looking at hope. So we've been we've been doing <laughs> a series of bearing fruit, um, and we've been looking at the fruit work of the Christian, um, which is to to be fruitful for Jesus, to be Christ-like in our character, our works, our praise, our generosity, and our evangelism. Um, and that's what Jesus wants for us, to be fruitful, to be like him. But we can't produce that fruit in ourselves. We can only bear the fruit that Jesus produces. Um, and so that's the fruit work. And we've looked at the disaster it is when Christians try to produce fruit in their mm. own strength. Mm. Um, so now we're going to focus in on the root work of the Christian. Mm. And uh, Proverbs 12 says, the root of the righteous shall bear fruit. Mm. So roots apparently bear fruit. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of Jesus's teachings revolve around that in the gospels. Um, both, I mean, even if you think about the parable of the sower, the whole, what's implied there is if the soil is good enough to, for the roots to really settle in and grow, yeah. then there's going to be fruit that comes. Yeah, you know? yeah fruitfulness. In um, the epistles, they, they, they talk about that a lot too, and back in Psalms, like you say. So. Yeah, so so fruit's important to God. We can't produce it. Only Jesus, the true vine, can produce it. We are united to him by faith as branches. We're called to bear the fruit that Christ produces through us by abiding in him. So we're going to look at hope today and give a definition of hope and look at some things we're called to hope in, which is, mm. which is point one of the root work. This is the work we're supposed to be doing, rooting ourselves to Jesus. But before we do that, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Ephesians. Um, do you know off the cuff how long Paul was in Ephesians for? Uh, sorry, <laughs> Ephesus in for? Ephesians? <laughs> uh, I don't know how long it took him to write the book of Ephesians, but um, I'm, I'm, off the top of my head, I'm thinking three years. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this is going to be marathon. It's either 18 months or three years. So uh, Corinth is one of those or something. But anyway, a long period of time, right? Mm-hmm. So 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 Paul's been living in Ephesus, you know, working in the church there, pastoring the church there, setting up elders there, doing a ministry there, evangelizing there, right? So I'm I'm guarantee you within the space of that eighteen months he's been talking about the gospel, you reckon? Mm-hmm. Um, Probably. <laughs> right? If it's three years, can't remember, we'll we'll correct ourselves later. Um, to to be preaching about the gospel and all that we are in Jesus Christ, right? And then he writes this letter later on. So so down the line, he writes this letter. 
And what's amazing about this letter is that Ephesians 1 is Paul telling these Ephesians about the gospel. Mm. All that all that they are because of the gospel, verse 3 to verse 14. This is who you are because of the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then verse 15 to verse 23 is Paul praying that they would understand the gospel more. So he's he's been with these people for three years or eighteen months. I can't remember quite right now, but he, he's been. But now he's writing to them, saying, "This is the gospel. I pray you would grasp this more and more." Mm-hmm. Then he turns to Ephesians two. The whole of Ephesians two is him telling them, "And this is the gospel. This is who you are because of the gospel." Mm-hmm. Then he gets to Ephesians three, which is a bit of a um, and and Holy Spirit inspired segue for a little while. But then he gets back to um, what he was doing, verse 13 to 21, which is praying that they would understand the gospel. Mm. So chapter one to chapter three of Ephesians is Paul telling Christians the gospel. Yeah. Telling Christians the gospel, Matt. It's, it's, it's the old... It's the old story, the old truth that it's, it never gets old, actually. It's, yeah. it's never irrelevant no matter how long we've believed it right so so he he tells them the gospel and then twice he prays that they would understand more and more of this gospel um which means the gospel isn't the start of the christian life it's the start beginning middle Mm. end of the christian life Mm. um so he's told them this before um he taught it while he was in ephesus for these years does he really need to go over it all again Mm. and the answer is is yes. <laughs> yeah. um, it's so important they grasp these gospel-rich truths that he he's pausing twice in his letter to pray that they would grasp it more. Mm-hmm. And it's only after he spends three chapters telling them um, what the gospel is and praying for them about the gospel that he starts to say, and now here's what I want you to do about that, chapter four to six. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't get to, here's, what, here's how I want you to live the Christian life until he tells them chapter one to three and prays for them uh, about the gospel. And it's it's so clear then through Ephesians um, that obedience to Jesus can't come from a vacuum. It mm. can't come from just no, us. You're right, yeah. Are you gonna are you gonna talk about the size of underground roots? No. I was just I was just thinking about this, the, the connection and you're saying that we're not going to live outwardly, serve Jesus outwardly until um, the gospel is profound to us inwardly, you know? Yeah. And it's, you know, when, when we see big, massive trees, I and mean, I'm looking at one just across the way there, and uh, when you see these big trees, sometimes you think, like, man, look how large they are. But but they always say that the roots underneath mm. the tree are, are just as wide yeah. as the branches over top. Yeah. And those branches at the top are not going to be as wide as they are if the roots are not as wide as they That's are. That's it, man. You, like, you go to Hem Heath Forest there, and there's a few trees that have fallen over, and those roots are massive, like mm. huge and wide and deep. Um and so they, they've it's it's rooting in, and, and that's what Paul's doing. Ephesians one to three is root into this, root into this. And that's the gospel, the roots right. of the gospel. Praying, yeah. help God, help these people understand this. And then chapter four to six. Now here's the fruit mm. that you're called to bear for that's Jesus, good, man, yeah. right? So it's as they root themselves more and more into the rich soil of the gospel, and grind themselves more and more into the stable foundation of God's grace, through a deeper and deeper understanding of how loved they are by God. Um, that they're going to be filled. So, you know, Ephesians 3, at the end of it, it says, I pr- basically says, I pray that you would you would be filled with the love of God, which passes knowledge, that you would come to understand the love of God, which passes knowledge more and more, which is itself God actually needs to help us do. Because as we're filled with the love of, as we're filled with this knowledge more and more, it says in verse 19, that's what's going to lead to you being filled with the fullness of God. Yeah. And what does it look like to be filled with the fullness of God? Ephesians 4 to 6. Mm. That's what it looks like. Unity, purity, holiness, um, generosity. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at hope today because we're going to look at hope and then God willing, next time we're going to look at faith. Um, 
so today is hope. Hope and faith are not the same thing. Hope actually comes from faith. Um, so we're going downwards rather than upwards here. Closely connected, but not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So our faith grows and then our hope grows. Yeah. And um, there's yeah. some verses that talk about that. Um, we'll not turn there, but if you want to see them for yourself, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Colossians 1, 23, and 1 Peter 1, 21. Talk about our faith and our hope um, being being different things. So give us a definition of biblical hope then. Biblical hope is... Um confidence uh confidence that what god has said he will do yeah yeah so worldly hope is i hope so um Mm -hmm. i hope to do this tomorrow but biblical hope is it's confident expectation yeah um but it's it's a little bit more as well it's confident expectation of something that i desire so i can be confident that i'm going to you know the other day when i was going to the dentist and my tooth was going to get pulled out i was Mm -hmm. confident that that was going to happen not at all looking forward to it, <laughs> right? Mm. So I had a I had a confident expectation, but no desire, right? Yeah. Um, I have a desire that Arsenal wins the league, but now we're we're a couple of points below Man City, and I I'm not confident anymore, even mm. though I have the desire. I wouldn't be either. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal choking syndrome. Thank you for sharing that earlier. Uh, no problem. Uh, yeah. So so but so a biblical hope is a confident expected desire. So my illustration of that is on the day that Victoria married me, and I was standing at the altar. And I knew she was on her way and uh, I was confident she would turn up and I had every desire in the world that she would. Mm, um, yeah. And she walked down the aisle towards me and uh, that was just beautiful, right? So confident, confident expectation that I desire to happen. So there's a number of things that we can have hope in and have our hope grow into as our faith grows as well. And we're just going to look at four of those today. So the first one is glory mm-hmm. or our hope of glory. Mm-hmm. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, so we're going to see Jesus one day. Um, we're going to be like him and we're going to be with him forever. Isn't that the most, the most incredible and profound thing that you could ever say? We're going to see Jesus someday and be with him. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? It's, when you stop to actually pause and consider this reality, it's yeah. pretty, pretty. Cause you, when you we started talking about glory, I thought, now how would, how would I define glory? And I really don't know how to define glory, but it's so rooted in like the majesty of God. Right. Like right. he's he's glorious and he's majestic. Yeah. And to think that we're going to be there. Yeah. In his majesty. Light um blazing hotter and brighter than the sun mm. and we are able to look at it and be in its presence without yeah. without dying. Well, that's that's one yeah. day for us. So we're going to we're going to gaze on the source of all joy, all beauty, all peace and all love one day. Our bodies are going to be glorified to experience no more sickness, pain, or death. You and I are going to have locks of hair, man. It's coming mm-hmm. one day for us. Or everyone else is going to be bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be. Um, and more than that, our twisted flesh is going to be given the final death blow and we'll never know temptation or sin again. One day, man. the sin that keeps defeating you, you're going to sin that sin for the last time. Mm. And you're going to be tempted to sin that sin for the last time. There's, um, there's this old um, like, like hymn, American hymn, and um, I actually love the words. Um, it's, it's called It Will Be Worth It All is the name of the song. Oh, yeah. And it, and it says, um, life's trials will soon be over. Um, for Something forever past. We'll cross the great divine to glory, safe at last. We'll share the joys of heaven, a harp, a home, and a crown. Hmm. The tempter will be banished. <sighs> Good and we'll stuff. lay our burdens down. The tempter banished. It's just like, 
Praise God, man. man. It's, it's, yeah. it's what every believer longs for is you know, yeah. Christ and the removal of the sin curse. Yeah. Amen. So Galatians 5.5 5 says that we are by faith eagerly waiting for this. And Titus 2.13 calls this our blessed hope, the mm. happy hope of every believer. Mm. So this future is sealed for us. Um, where Christ's throughout this life and into eternity, First Peter calls it a place reserved for us. And we are reserved people for that place. Not because of what we've done or what we're going to do, but because of who Jesus is, what he's done, what he is doing and what he will do. Um, so that's that's the first one. The world looks a little less glamorous to the eyes of the bride of Christ as she realizes one day she's going to gaze on the beauty of the Lamb. That's beautiful. You talk about Jesus reserving it in heaven for us. Um, obviously, I'm not an Arsenal supporter. I'm a Man United supporter. Right. And um, someone put me in touch with this, this guy um, who has season tickets in the executive boxes oh. at Old Trafford. And um and I took Parker when we were very when he was very very young, and um and we went up in these plushies and I was I was like a fish out of water no 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 question about it, um but I was just sat there with all these like, business people around me, in these plush chairs yeah. you know with I could feel the heat from the executive boxes behind me and all that, <laughs> and uh and I just remember thinking I would not be here, if he had not made the reservation for right. me. Right. You know, and it's, it's that yeah. idea. We would yeah. not be have that reservation in heaven had God yeah. not made the reservation for us. Yeah. Christ is the one invited and we're his plus one. Mm. Um, Beautiful. His bride. So, yeah, so so that's our hope, our glory, our glo- the glory anticipated. The second thing we have hope in is our identity being rooted to Jesus. Um, our identity is rooted and secure in him. And the authors of the New Testament go at great lengths to show us who we are in Jesus. Um, it's nonstop. And again, Ephesians 1 to 2, like, let me just read out some of the things Ephesians 1 to 2 says about who we are. We're blessed, chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, heirs, sealed, loved, alive, saved, raised, seated, brought near, reconciled, given access, fellow citizens, members of the household, and a dwelling place of God. So that's just some... <laughs> that's just some of the identity that we have in Jesus Christ. And so often we forget who we are, don't we? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We look for identity in all the wrong places and yeah. um, and that crushes us then. So, you know, I can find my identity. This is kind of going back into the, your gospel and stuff, the gospel identity, but our nationality, um, I'm Irish or I'm a husband of Victoria or I'm a pastor or I have this much money in the bank or I have this many children or this is my hobby that I really love. Um, or this is how strong I am. This is how handsome I am. Um, but none of these things are better than what we just read about who yeah, we are in Jesus. Yeah. And we're clutching for straws. Yeah. Which, which, which is mad because when you think of how rich and wealthy we are in Christ, you mm-hmm. know, and you're talking about Ephesians when it talks about the riches of his grace over right. and over and over yeah. again. And we're so rich in Christ and we're clutching for straws. Yeah. Which is which yeah. is mad. We're looking for identity in all these different places except in Christ yeah. sometimes. These things are, are fading. All of these things are fading. My nationality, Northern Ireland's only a hundred years old and it might it, it might actually disappear in the next there might be another referendum in a mm-hmm. in a good few years now with the situation there. So what happens to my nationality? Um, marriage ends, either through death or divorce, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um Careers end through retirement or through sickness. Wealth ends through bankruptcy or whatever, or through through um, crashes. Children die, which is tragic, but it happens. 
um, or hobbies. You've just been talking about how you can't really play basketball for much longer. Yeah, yeah. That's over, man. And yeah. your identity's in basketball. What happens when it fades away? Yeah. Um, but it's but as Christians, sometimes we actually find our identity in Christianity rather than in Jesus. Yeah, um, mm, that's, so, that's a good one. Yeah, right. That and that's the subtle one for us. Like my identity's in what I do at the church. Mm-hmm. My identity's in the fact that I play this instrument, or I preach, or I lead a certain ministry, or you know what I mean? Like, yeah. or I believe this doctrine. I was actually talking to somebody yesterday. I was talking to Trevi yesterday, and um, and I was I was saying I love being a pastor. Mm. But if if the pastor was taken away from me, and I could just be a child of God and preach the gospel, right? I'd be totally content. Right. Right. Like I love being a pastor. Yeah. I feel like God has put this calling on my yeah. life. But at the same time, like if if I could just serve Jesus and preach the gospel. Put me anywhere. Yeah. Give me any yeah. title. Yeah. Just to be a brother in Christ, helping other brothers and sisters walk with Jesus and telling other people about him. Yeah. That's that's yeah. that's the call, yeah. right? Um, I mean, look, chapter 10, verse 20, they've done all these miracles. They've cast out demons. They come back to Jesus. They're full of, like, kind of like a little bit of pride and boastfulness mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, hey, chill. Rejoice that your name's written in heaven. Yeah. That's who you are. Mm-hmm. You're not all the stuff you've just done. You're, you're a child of the king. That's perspective right there, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So we're children of the king. We're a treasured possession. We're not needed. We are loved. Um, and when God sees me, he chooses to not see my failures, my doubts, my weaknesses, and my sins. He sees the righteousness of Christ in me. Mm. And he says, this is my beloved son or my beloved daughter in whom I delight. So we don't need to look to people or places or possessions or ministries to find our identity. Mm. Our identity is settled in Christ. And no identity is sweeter and greater than knowing that you're a son or daughter of the king. Mm-hmm. So that's the second one. Uh, we'll, we'll try and get quickly through the next ones. Promises, hope in the promises of God. Um, so all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus, it says. Mm. Um, Romans 8, 32, God has given us his son. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Yeah, if he would give, if he would give us the most precious thing that he had, the son, yeah. why would he not give us right. anything else? But we don't always believe that. Um, sometimes we do believe that God's going to give us a stone instead of an egg, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, like you were praying last night. Um, God loves to give generously to his people. James 1 talks about that. We ask him for wisdom and mm-hmm. he gives us generously. He doesn't doesn't rebuke us for asking mm-hmm. and he doesn't change who he is. He's mm-hmm. a generous, gracious God. So in Christ, we can have confidence in the promises of God to us. So just let's talk about some of the promises, the types of promises that we have. So there's unconditional promises that are ours in Christ. Mm -hmm. So can you think of uh, any of those off the cuff? Yeah. uh, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Right. So I have (laughs) everlasting life in Jesus because I've trusted him. Yeah. yeah. So so that's the unconditional promise, everlasting life, now that I'm in Jesus. Um, Dwelling Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, he's there. He's my comforter. He'll yeah. never leave. He's I'm sealed for eternity. It's a promise. Um, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, I'm with you always. Yeah. That's an unconditional promise. God's word is settled in heaven. Yeah, yeah. So all these different. Yeah. So there's loads. These are the unconditional promises. But there's some. There's some conditional ones as well in mm-hmm. the New Testament. So there's something we have to do in order to get the fulfillment of this promise. Um, that's not us earning it. It's just that there's <laughs> we have mm-hmm. to. You know, if someone gives me a check, I have to lodge the check in order to receive the cash. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you think of any conditional ones? I've got one. If you, I mean, I'm putting you on the cuff here. So Yeah, um, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, and, and by implication, there is this 
either or kind of scenario. So you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, mm. but um, but you know, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. That type of yeah type of principle. Yeah, yeah, resist the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. One of the ones I love is the conditional promise for the peace of God that passes understanding. Mm, yeah, we kind of claim that promise a lot. Give them the peace of God. That, give me the peace, but it's a condition attached to it, and it is praying all all prayer yeah because he says this 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 and the peace of god will be with you yeah so yeah. it's a therefore yeah. if therefore yeah. so the unconditional ones is just here's what's true the conditional ones is if therefore um or if then so if i pray with all prayer and supplication with thanksgiving making my requests known unto god um then the peace of god that passes understanding will guard my yeah. heart and mind in christ jesus yeah. so i won't have that peace if i'm not praying with thankfulness yeah. it's just a reality no, that's good. but it's a conditional promise if i have hope in that promise then i'll you'll see me praying with thanksgiving more than um and then there's the holy spirit inspired prayers of the new testament which i'm loving praying through every time someone asks me to pray for them i try to find a passage a, a prayer in scripture and pray that for them mm. um so ephesians 1 15 to 23 um philippians 1 9 to 11 these are these are colossians 1 has them too these are prayers of paul that the holy spirit inspires paul to write and romans 8 says the holy spirit always prayer prays the will of the father yeah. so C- can i can i uh, flirt with some controversy for a minute i don't know go for it <laughs> do you remember a few years back there was the uh the uk blessing thing do you remember that where mm. um there's the the prayer of aaron right aaron's blessing upon oh yeah oh yeah the yeah. priest you know yeah. and it was it was singing that to britain singing at this country and singing mm. at that country and some people were getting really worked up about it like we shouldn't be singing that. and and i do agree we shouldn't be singing that to non-believers because it's not a reality for them mm. but everything in that ironic blessing is a New Testament reality. Mm. God, mm. You know, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, yeah. and be gracious to you, and give you peace. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think it's I think it's beautiful to pray things like that. Yeah. yeah. To, to believers, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's a reality for us in Christ. Yeah, absolutely. So it's okay to pray. Take that passage, you know, in the Lord's prayer to pray, not to repeat that, but to use that as a template to pray, knowing mm-hmm. that that's the type of prayer God wants to yeah. honor. Yeah. Um, I was reading Daniel nine yesterday and praying my way through Daniel's confession, just taking it into New Testament realities. And I know that God wants to answer that prayer because he's inspired it through Daniel as well. And the spirit of God always prays the will of the father. So mm-hmm. I can have hope that if I pray those type of prayers, um, God will answer them. So that's a promise. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, I mean, the commands of God are promises too because the, the New Testament commandments, I'm actually able to obey them through Jesus Christ living in me. So they themselves are actually promises. Um, so when it's like, you know, um, love your wife the way Jesus does, part of me is like, I can't. And then the other part of me is with Jesus Christ in me, I can't actually mm-hmm. live this way because I'm commanded to um, with the empowering of Jesus Christ in me. That's really good, yeah. So, uh, finally then, we have hope in the strength of God. Um, mm-hmm. In Ephesians 1, Paul prays that, that the Christians at Ephesus would understand more and more the immeasurable strength that God has given them. And the same strength that rose Jesus Christ from the dead, seated him in the heavenly places, is the strength that's living inside the believer of Jesus in order to live the life that Jesus Christ has called him to live. Now, that's pretty remarkable. And, I, yeah, and if I have hope that I have that strength, then I'll be able to do things that are seemingly impossible, mm. like loving my wife the way Jesus does, like going out and sharing the gospel, um, like being generous the way Christ calls me to be generous. I can't do that myself. I can't forgive. I can't be patient. Mm. But Christ in me gives me the strength to do that. So I have hope in his strength. It's, it's kind of like, um, you know, you have a, 
like t-shirt Christianity drives me nuts. Right. You know, where people, they just say things that sound good and you yeah. can put on the back of a t-shirt. But um, one, one thing that people say often is God will never give you more than you can handle. Bogus. And and it is bogus. He he will he will always give you more than you can handle. <laughs> but he in will fact, never give you more than he, he himself can handle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's and that's where it's at. Right. Because he brings us to the end of ourselves. That's yeah. I mean, that's a nonsense to say that. He brings us to the end of ourselves so that we can find our all in him. Yeah. Um when I'm weak, I'm he's strong and that's why I rejoice in my persecutions and needs. Mm. Yeah. So we don't look to ourselves for strength. We, yeah. we look to him and have hope that he has given us, as First Peter says, he's given us everything we need in Christ Jesus to live mm. a godly life. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, even, even when we apply that to, to like the temptation of sin. Yeah. You know, oh, man, yeah. It might be so overwhelming. I can't like, fight I can't, this sin. I can't defeat this. Yeah. yeah. And, and you're right. But yeah. in God's strength, you can. You can. You can't and you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. uh, yeah, that's it, man. So, I'm, if I'm hoping in Christ. So, so hopefully this is showing you that our our responsibility is not fruit work it's root work to root ourselves into the rich soil of jesus christ and all that we have in him we grow further and further into the gospel we don't grow up out of it we don't grow up from it we grow further and further into it um the gospel is not like clothes um that you wear as a as a kid and then you kind of like throw them away because because it's too small for you now um the gospel grows as mm. you grow. Um, it, 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 it's like, like Lucy t- says to Aslan, you got bigger. And Aslan's like, no, I didn't get bigger actually. Um, you've you've kind of like, you've grown. And so I've grown to fit your perspective. Mm. And as you continue to grow, I'm going to grow. That's beautiful, um, yeah. So it's further up and further in, um, mm. we go into the gospel. So we grow deeper into the gospel. We can never move beyond the gospel and we mature as we deepen our understanding of the gospel. It's the only way. Mm. Um, I'm reading John Bunyan's the, um, All Love's Excelling at the moment. It's just saying the same thing that the, the true, um, sweet, beautiful, mature uh, Christian is the one who continues to learn more and more the unfathomable love of Jesus Christ mm. for him. That's great. Um, so what a beautiful way to live our lives. What gorgeous gospel news is ours. Um, how often do we believe like this, though? How often do we fill our minds with the truths of God's character? Mm. How often do we meditate on what Christ has done for us, is doing for us, and will do for us? Mm. Um, and how often do we rest in who that makes us? Well, that's the fight. The fight of our lives is to root ourselves to Jesus Christ. the answer is not enough. Not enough, man. I'm trying to do I'll be honest, man. I'm trying to do it more. Um yeah. This is my fight, the fight of my life, the fight of my heart is is this, to root myself. Um, and then he's the one who produces the fruit. Yeah. Um, so it's only as we understand how loved we are, how rooted we are, how sealed we are, how accepted we are, how enriched we are, how embraced we are, that we'll truly grow and bear fruit. Mm. And what's amazing is Ephesians 3 says, it's past knowledge. Mm. So we'll never finish plumbing the depths of this, mm. of this gospel mm. of ours. Yeah. I, I like the words of Jesus um, when, when he said, I th- what is it, Luke 10 or something like that, I don't know. He says, he who loses his life will find it for my sake. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's, it's this idea of losing yourself in Christ. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's like, you've been to the Dead, dead Sea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is that not the weirdest thing, floating in the Dead Sea? Yeah. And you're just really? like, <laughs> you know that under normal circumstances you should sink. Right, this doesn't make sense. It's, yeah. it's holding you up. And it's just, I think, in a nutshell, when Jesus says, he who loses his self will find it for my sake, I think what he's saying is, like, just bask in me. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. just, just laying in the Dead Sea, floating, 
and fully supporting you. Yeah, yeah. That's Christ. Damn. Yeah, man. And, and uh, just to do it again, I mean, we're running out of time, but, you know, sometimes when you're making a, when you're making, a, I have this nice harissa recipe, man. I haven't made it for you yet, but I'll make it one day. Harissa chicken. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to marinate the chicken in this, in this uh, sauce for like, for like 12 hours. Can you make that now? <laughs> And the idea is, as you marinate, then the, the it gets it gets into it, right? And then you cook it, and then you eat it, and it's just enriched by the sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're meant to be doing: is marinating in the gospel, mm-hmm. so that later on, we'll just all that will come out of us is the gospel. So, mm-hmm. I hope this has convinced um, us that our call is to root. Um, so, root, root one hope, and then next time we'll look at faith. Mm, very good. All right. Let's go eat some marinated chicken. <laughs> <laughs>